You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris. That's Dave over there. We grew up across the street from each other uh, way back when, and now 40 years later, we sit across from each other at my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago, the home of the broadcast basement, also the home of Socks in the Basement. And I went to the game on Sunday, the last game before the All-Star break. And if you ever wanted to have a game where you bring your kids and you want them to get into baseball. You want to bring them to a game where your team hits multiple home runs on a day game, and there's fireworks everywhere, and they're just kicking the crap out of the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, ten to one, I think. Yeah, and, and that was that was just an incredible game for just like to get my my ten year old into it. Like he's already gotten into it this year. Like originally he was not into baseball. He plays hockey. Okay. Okay. And he was originally like he wanted to play ball, but he was bad at it. Like really bad at it. And then we figured out that he was playing an entire season without glasses and he needed them badly. He's like blind. Okay. But when he started Little League, we hadn't figured that out yet. So he got into hockey, he does other sports, and he's never gotten back into baseball because he had such a bad experience with it when he was younger. But he sits around with me and he watches highlights and he you know, watches the MLB network and he thinks Mike Trout is the greatest player in the world. And well, because he is. He is, and he's really getting into the White Sox this year, and he's really starting to enjoy the team, and he's falling in love with it. And I took him to the game along with my my three year old, and and uh, we sat there and we watched that game, and he was just in love with the team, which was great to see. We got to That's sit around, awesome. and you know what's fun to sit around and do when you're at a game like that when you're with a with a little guy. And I named my daughter. She she was away with my wife out of town. She's normally my baseball nut. So this is the first time I've sat just with him. And gone through a game with him. So boys' day. Yeah, it was definitely boys' day, because they're so honest. Kids are so honest when they're watching the game. Okay. Okay. They're well, honest. They're, they're they, honest. They're honest about everything. They don't know if you're supposed to like a player or if you're not supposed to like a player. They don't know if this guy's supposed to be good or he's not supposed to be good. They're just kind of watching the game. Okay. When he sat there and he watched. Um, he watched Timmy Anderson, who I love the rag on on this I show. I knew this was where this he was going. He watched him get up to the plate in the first or the first time he got up to the plate, which I think was the second inning, and he had a bat at bat, and he goes, he ain't that good. And I said, well, you know, I mean, he's 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 only been around for a year or two. Like, I'm trying to see what he says, and he goes, he's right. hitting seventh in the order, Dad. He's hitting seventh. You just told me that half of this team won't be here in two years because they're doing a rebuild. If he isn't good enough to hit higher than seventh, how good is he? Wow. From the mouths of babes. Well. That's all I'm saying. Now. And I still, and I want to just clarify real quick, because I know that if you've listened to this podcast, you're like, God, he hates Tim Anderson. I think Tim Anderson belongs on this team. I think Tim Anderson is going to be a wonderful u- utility player. You just want him to stop his I just nonsense. I don't want him to be, um, uh, I don't think he's an everyday shortstop on your team. And I don't think he's going to be a major power hitter in the middle of your lineup. Well, and I think that's why they there. I think that's why you could already see they're starting to form an idea of what if Tim Anderson doesn't work out. Like I said, dump truck full of money on Manny Machado's lawn mm-hmm. after he's a rental for the Dodgers. Maybe now just to play devil's advocate about that. <clears throat> in uh, Ricky has been shuffling the lineup around a lot. All right, 
He's, it's not like he's staying with a consistent lineup. So maybe. But it's Ricky wanted the win on Sunday. It was obvious he wanted the win on Sunday. Jose Abreu was playing in the All-Star game. It would have made perfect sense to have him rest. Moncada had hurt himself the day before, and there was doubt as to whether or not he was going to play. Did he and play? He, did he and play he Sunday? led off and had a great game. He wanted that game. He wanted that series. He wanted to end on a high note going into the break. He wanted that game. That lineup to me was, this is a manager who wants to win the game. So I'm curious because I didn't get the I didn't watch the game. What was the lineup? Uh, so you had Mancada. I got to remember off. off the top of my head because I don't have it in, in my. Uh, um, but I'm going to try to remember it. Mancada, uh, Yomer, uh, Abreu, Palka. Okay. Davidson. Interesting. Palka and Davidson in this. Oh, because Avisales hurt. Avisales right? hurt. Okay. Okay. Again. So that was one. That's one, two, three, four, five. I, uh, if I if I remember correctly. I know Kevin Smith was batting eighth. Okay. And um, trying to run through in my well, head where Anderson, we, I knew, knew Leury was 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 in the game, but I don't know. I can't remember where he was sitting at. Okay. So basically, your top ba- basically your top five though is is what we're looking at. I right. Mean, so he was Mancada, Mancada, Yomer. Oh, Engel was at the bottom of the lineup. Okay. Which means Leury Garcia was hitting in front of Anderson. Okay. So six Leury the and then seven Anderson. So think about eight. that. Okay. So basically, but your top five is what you're looking I at. I don't see Leury Garcia. Being on this team, no, and no, he's a guy no, that they no, have no, no, no problem no. sending down and bringing up, sending down and bringing up. They have no problem doing that with him. They obviously don't have him in their long term plans. But when the manager had to make a card for some game that he really wanted to win, he put that guy in front of Tim Anderson with okay. only Kevin Smith and Adam Ingle being below Anderson. All right, which makes sense to me. See what I'm saying? Of that course. makes sense to me. If I had to draw up a lineup. The only d- decision I would have had was do I put Anderson in front of Garcia or Garcia in front of Anderson? See what I'm saying? Okay. That would have been the only thing I would have done that I would have argued about in my head. The rest of the lineup made perfect sense to me if you're trying to go out and win the game. Okay. Okay. And he, I, in my opinion, trying to go out and win the game was like, I'd rather put Garcia in front of Anderson. And, and that to me was was just that was so telling of where and he was, and he was the cl- mindset of the manager at this point at the halfway point of the season with what he thinks Anderson could bring him at the plate. And it was called out by a ten year old. A ten year old called it out. A ten year old sitting there, eating his 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 ice cream. Okay, called that out to me early in the game. He huh? had, it, right away he said kids, that to me. Kids like, are okay. honest. Kids are honest. Now, um, I had a similar sort of experience a couple years ago like when you're talking about you know if you want to get somebody into a team bring them to a game that they just so happen to you know club the crap out of the the opposing pitcher now obviously I don't have any kids but um my father-in-law uh from central Louisiana never had been to Chicago before right (laughs) hardly had ever been out of the deep South before. comes to I mean, Chicago. He's like, I want to go to Wrigley. That's what my in-laws always wanted. To do. He, well, no, he, he actually, no, he, he came to Chicago and he just, he wanted to see a major league baseball game. Okay. He didn't care if it was, <clears throat> he has no, you know, he has no team that he backs, you know, being from central Louisiana, they don't have really professional baseball anywhere near them down there. I mean, the closest thing is the Texas Rangers. Um, but he just, he wanted to see a professional game. And, and the reason being is because he was one of these dudes who, you know, he played baseball in high school. He was really, really good at it. He was a pitcher, you know, he got at one point scouted, I think for, by the Dodgers for their like entry level, that's know, cool. For the draft or yeah. something. I mean, it didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't make it of course, but so he was just, he's a baseball. I mean, he loves baseball, but he, he just, he'd never been to a pro ballpark. He never went to, 
you know, never saw a pro team play live. So that was the top of his list. So we brought him, my wife and I brought him to, um, it was a Sox game a few years ago. They played Seattle and this was back when, you know, the Sox were eh, mediocre at best, but they always owned Seattle for some reason. Okay. Right. They they just always would beat up on Seattle. And it was, again, it was one of those games to where they, they hit a whole bunch of home runs. They won like 12 to three or whatever the score was. And, um, you know, he was, it was really funny because he said, man, these White Sox are, they, they're really good. And I was like, mm, you know, no, no, they're Sometimes not you that go to good. A game and you're like, you're like it, it's just one game. But I have seen a lot of positives. I want to make sure we go through those today. Let's. You know, I, I had no intention really of ragging on Tim Anderson yet again, but I, I could, I, right away, I just jumped right into it. I can't help myself. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit today. We're going to have a, we're going to have a Tim Anderson intervention. With intervention. Yeah, kind, yeah exactly. To. He's probably a wonderful guy too. I'm I, sure. I'm sure you know, he is. I think that part of being a fan is that you have guys that you that you you like, and it's irrational. Like it's irrational that most White Sox fans were just in love with Aaron Rowan in 2005. The amount of base running mistakes he made in the postseason, and the amount of ridiculous defensive misjudge that he would make. But then he'd go into the wall for you, and you'd be like, "Ah, oh, we can't." But remember, they were trying to figure out: do they need to get something for that playoff run? And they were trying to acquire. Griffey Jr. Griffey Jr. because they didn't think that in, that 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 Rowan could do it. Now you remember it with rosy glasses, but there were a lot of fans that were just in love with Aaron Rowan. Yeah. I was one of them, sure. but it, it was irrational. And sometimes you have irrational hate for a guy. Like I've met Dan Pasqua, uh, you know, now as he's older and he's walking around the ballpark, he seems like he's a wonderful gentleman. Okay, drove me nuts. And in 1993, when he couldn't get the bat on the ball in the postseason, okay, he frustrated me to absolutely no end. Okay, so I mean, sometimes that happens. It's it's okay as a fan, I think, to be annoyed with a player, and for some reason, he drives me nuts. I want to be, I want because to be, you because you want your team to do well, and you want, but this, I want and to you eat want crow this with pl- him. and you want this player to live up to the potential but, that he's but supposed deep to. Deep down, live up I to. want to eat crow with him. I want to eat crow with him. But I was flipping through tweets like on my Twitter today because, okay. of course, Josh Hader he said some horrible things for the Brewers. Did you read about this? No. Oh yeah, no, Josh no, no, Hader. No. <laughs> Josh. He goes out and he's pitching in the All-Star game and some fan gets aggravated because he gives up a home run or whatever. And right after he gives up the home run, starts publishing tweets from 2011 where he says all kinds of racist stuff. Oh, like, okay. I heard about this. Incredible about this. stuff. Now, I've never said anything like that on Twitter, but I think everybody sat down and said, is there something embarrassing on my Twitter? Maybe I need to scroll back and just kind of make sure there isn't something on there when I was drunk one night, you know? And I'm just kind of like scrolling through old tweets. And I, well, I was like, I was like, no, all these are fine. I'm normal. I'm fine. And I got back to when Tim Anderson was brought up, okay, okay, in 2016. Okay. And my original comment was, I'm really excited about this, okay? And I retweeted somebody else who actually said it too, but I'm not really sure if it's time to bring him up yet. Hmm. I felt like he was being rushed. I want to eat crow with Tim Anderson. Okay. I want to be, I want you to laugh at me. I want people to hit us up on the Socks in the Basement, at Socks in the Basement on Twitter, and make fun of me for how wrong I was about Tim Anderson. That's what I really want as a fan. But is well, that going to so happen? So far, so far. Is that yeah. going to happen? I don't know. I Please, I want that to happen. To be lost inside Where it's safe and sound lost in the moment Feel the world around me Slowly start to fade Drift into silence Before
So one of the one of the other things about going to the game on Sunday was that I sat in section 109, which is now that is right down the right field line, be just a little bit before you hit the curve to go into fair territory. Okay. 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 Uh, into the outfield. Um, so you're I kind picked of like... 109 on purpose. I tried to get into 108. Okay. And I couldn't. Did you know that there is a subculture of fans, which are the Section 108 people? No. They actually have shirts which says hashtag 108ing, and they're all over Twitter, and they're like this whole subculture of White Sox fans to which the players interact with. Really? Like Daniel Pelka hits a home run, and he's like, I just wanted to do something for the 108. Like they have these, they have this weird relationship with the players and that little section. And to just kind of describe this section for you, it's a strip of seats that is not as big as a normal section. Right, because it's dead in the corner. And it's dead in the corner. So basically, the aisle between 108 and, and, and 107 is basically where the foul pole would run. Okay. okay. So okay. 108 is this little strip that's just foul, and the foul pole's there in front of it, basically. And then there's an aisle almost right away going into 109, which is like a double section that makes the actual curve, okay? So the actual curve's in 109. 108 is like right before, but it's still in foul territory. So it's this little itty-bitty strip. Okay. And I'm sitting in 109. I had already kind of read them on Twitter a few times, and I had noticed them. I'm sitting in 109, and I wanted to get into 108, and I couldn't get a seat in there, okay? Okay. This is the section. This is this is the subculture of White Sox baseball how right did now. How did this get started? I don't know. I've already reached out to them to try to get somebody from their, their whole group to come on the show. And what I was basically told was, we've, we don't really have somebody that speaks for us. And I'm like, well, find somebody that speaks for you. Because somebody's running your Twitter account and <laughs> you guys are making t-shirts. Somebody's got to speak for you. I want to hear all about this because it's like I, inner it's like inner city Chicago gangs. There right. really is no leader. No, there's it's, really no it's, leader. It's structureless. It's right. leaderless. The there gang, are no there are no ranks. Right. They're the gang of the right field corner. And they look awesome. And it seems like they just do a lot of drinking. Do they have like and make a lot of noise? Do they have t-shirts and they have and t-shirts? Like trucker caps? Do I don't do think they, they have trucker caps, but that would be a great idea. But they have like this whole like thing going on out there and I, w- I want to be a part of it. I want to know all about it. I stumbled upon this and I found this extremely interesting to the point where when I went with the boys, the guy was like, oh, I'm going to put you so-and-so. I'm like, can you put me in 108? And he goes, I can get you into 109. I'm like, put me in 109 then. I want to I want to be able to see 108. You, you might, you, you need to be careful what you wish for, dude. There might be some sort of extreme hazing initiation, I, some sort of it. thing. Let's do it. I want to be part of the group, man. They, they look like they're fun. And I, I want to know all about them. So we're, tr- we're going to try to get the 108 on the show. Okay. Wow. I also wanted to, before we continue on here, look at what happened in the first half with the Sox and maybe talk about what we want to see in the second half. Sure. Okay. Now that we've hit the all-star break. Got it. Um, I, I also want to let you know, I finally had a nice, good, long conversation with a rep from over at the White Sox and was asked to send a list of potential people that we would like to interview. So, so the the list from last week, right? Well, Kinda. I I was basically like, let's be honest, we're not getting Rick Hahn right off the bat here on the Socks Man. in the Basement podcast. Okay, we got to work our way up. Damn it, we got to work our way up. But I did come up with a list that we ha- included some of the people that we came up with and okay. a few other ones that I thought was realistic. Sure. I was basically told come up with something realistic because you've only done five or six shows. 
And I was like, that makes sense to me. I could do that. But the fact that they were willing to work with us is good. That is cool. Okay. So we're we're hoping very soon they have some some actual people from the organization on the podcast, which I think is going to be great. I, I asked for one specific player. I'm going to lead into our first, uh, what happened in the first half discussion by because this player is literally leading the team in OPS at the break. And nice. I asked for him to be one, our, our, our guest on the show. He's I, one of the names. Can I guess? Yes. Matt Davidson. Matt Davidson. All right. Who I am slowly but surely falling in love with. I want to, I want to remind everybody that if you go back to the first episode, when this was just an experimental podcast out of the broadcast basement, but you can get it on the Socks in the Basement feed, okay? I listed, we listed the people that I wasn't sure of or the people that I thought were going to be on the 2020 team, and I did not think Matt Davidson was going to make it on the team. Well, Matt was a fringe player I, at that point. He was a point. fringe player we that I was like, hopeful for. We're, we're hopeful for, but we're not sure yet because we haven't seen, and he's, we haven't seen it. And he's pulling me in. I'm becoming more and more of a Matt Davidson fan here. Nice. Because of what he's doing at the plate. Now, do I wish I could see him do a little bit more in the field? I, 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 I would love to ask him, does he still want to be a third baseman? Because they played him at first in that game. Okay. And they list him as a DH, essentially, on the team. See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm so looking up his They're looking, looking for his, his power numbers. Right but here's now. a guy who's leading in OPS above Jose Abreu with a 768 OPS. And let me just say, all the OPSs on this team are bad. You, you need to be over 800. You and, need to have two guys on your team that are over 900. We've talked about that. Yes. They, that's the slugging versus the on ba- plus the on-base percentage, and we don't have that on this team. We don't have anybody hitting over 800 in an OPS. That's that's bad, okay? But he's the, he's a he's a bright spot who's 27 years old, and you hope he continues to build on what he's doing. The power numbers are good, man. He's got 14 home runs. He's got 38 RBIs. I mean, I mean again, it's, it's the same thing of – we need to see the average up. Right. Well, it's the same thing with Daniel Pelka. And 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 Pelka made a nice play in the field the other day, on Sunday. He gunned down somebody, hit the relay. Okay. Okay. And, but it was a stupid it was a stupid send by the third base coach for the Royals. Okay. Okay. He obviously felt that Daniel Pelka is terrible. Like his scouting report must have been guy in left field useless. Because no in no way should he have sent somebody home. And I'm glad Pelka made him pay for it. Good. He got no respect on that send home. Okay, where they basically make the second out of the inning, trying to get the guy from second to 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 home on a ball that bounces right in front of Pelka as he's charging in, and all he has to do is hit the relay, and they had him they had him by three four steps at home plate, so so that good for him. I'm glad he, I'm glad he showed that guy you don't do that. He's hitting well. He's third in OPS, but again, like I said, nobody stands out because of how low the OPS is. I mean, Abreu's numbers are uncharacteristically so- low. He should be up at the top of this list. He slumped towards the end. At the end of the year, I still expect him to be number one. The, the but but that's so, that's not good. So getting back to Davidson, what so we were talking about what has he shown you? So like you you we've gone from Matt being, you know, one of those fringe players to like we think there's a place on this team for him. Well, here's what he showed me. It's not with the average, because I still said that the average has to get up to 250. Yes. And I still believe that. So I haven't put him on the team yet. Okay. I'm just becoming hopeful. And I'm becoming hopeful because his on-base percentage, remember when we talked about him before, his on-base percentage was very was not high enough, in my opinion. But now, his on-base percentage is 110 points over his batting average. Because he's learned how to take a walk. He's learning how to take pitches. Right. And that is going to eventually translate into better hitting, in my mind. And that's the positive sign that I take from him. I don't want to linger on him for too long because there's other people I want to get to. Okay. But that's that's my positive sign with him. I also want to list for you, who do you think 
of the eligible like qualifiers in terms of the amount of, of, of in batting on this team. The top five in on-base percentage, which I still put it a lot of, or I'm sorry, in OPS, that I still put a lot of stock in that tells me not only you're getting on base, but you're getting hits and your hits are extra base hits a lot of times. <sighs> your top five, I already gave you Davison and I gave you Abreu. Give me three, four, and five. So, in your opinion, at the halfway point, do you have to? They're qualifying players, okay? And and, and basically everybody that's in the starting lineup right now is a qualifying player. They, they, okay, they've all they've are all we, done. It are point. we counting Garcia? Uh, Avi Garcia, it does not list on this. I don't know if he's played enough. Let me see. So probably not. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't have. Yeah, Avisel Garcia because he's on the DL didn't show up. Okay. So actually, technically, if you have Avisel Garcia, he is. The only beast on this team. He's got an 840 OPS. Right. Okay. He's only had 35 games and 148 plate appearances. But he's got he's got a he's got if he keeps up what he's doing and he comes back, he's the beast on your team. Again, this is why when I said last week I would not want to trade him. Okay. This is why. Okay. Because right now he's the most positive hitter on your team. He's the best hitter on your team. And he's 27. Okay. We're hopeful for Davidson, but we know what we have in Garcia. All right. Okay. And they're the same age. So two more guys then I need. Um, two more guys. Does, well, I don't want to say Mancata because. He's in there. I, in the top five? He's in the top five. Yeah. And doesn't it make you feel good inside? It does. Because you sit around and everybody, he's had a rough, rough first half of the season. But what he did over the last couple of weeks, he basically hit about 350. Okay. He had an OPS that was almost 1,000. Wow. Okay. Now, I think he, he finished lot... off so strong. And I still think that in the end, he's a guy who should only be hitting from the left side of the plate. But he even hit a home run from the right side on Sunday. Okay. Okay. He's starting, maybe he's putting it together. God, I hope he's putting it together. The break came at the worst time for that kid because he's starting to do well. And now we're giving him three days off. Yeah, that's yeah, you know that, that see that that almost surprise that almost surprises me. Yeah, but, he I mean, actually sits fifth if you put Garcia up at the top of it. You know, why does for some reason So your four spot. Why does and I don't know if he qualifies, but why does Kevin Smith keep nope. sticking out nope. to me? No, it's, it's Pelka. It is Pelka. Pelka sitting in there okay. fourth. Interesting. Now, and Pelka's pretty much Davidson. There's really no other way to describe these two guys. He's hit 234, Davidson in 221. He's, he's got an OPS that's just a few points, uh, like about 20 points lower than Davidson. The big problem with Pelka is he's got a 280 on-base percentage. Yeah, he's that, not walking. And that's why you can't rely on him yet until he starts showing you that he can actually take a pitch and he can get on base when it's not a hit. 280 on-base percentage. It's brutal. Okay? He yeah. knows that. Right. Daniel right, Pelka right. knows that. If we talk to Daniel Pelka, he'd be like, yeah, that's pretty brutal. You know? You know what's really interesting is that the, I think these guys all look at their stats. There was a it, it was a really funny interview on uh, MLB Network during the All Star break, where they, Trevor Bauer shows up and they have all these players that are stopping by and they're sitting on the field. Trevor Bauer, pitcher for the Indians, he's got okay. Corey Kluber on his team. Okay, that's right, the ace right. of their staff. But Trevor sure. Bauer comes over, and one of the guys who's a big sabermetrician goes, "You know, you might not notice Trevor, but you have the highest wins above replacement for a pitcher at this point in the season. Did you know that?" And he goes, of course I know that. I look at that stuff all the time. And he's <laughs> laughing. These guys know what they're doing, you know? I mean, come on. If you played baseball, wouldn't you be looking it up every once in a while? Wouldn't you be like, how am I doing? 
Am I compared to this guy? Yeah. How's my season going? Yeah. I, I mean, what the I, hell? Yeah. When I'm playing 16 inch softball on Wednesdays in the church league, I'm still keeping track of, okay, I went two for three last week. I'm hitting 667. That's good. You know, I got an do error. They, I, you know, do, I, my, my, my fielding percentage isn't that good today. Do they have saber metrics in the church league? No, uh, they should. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BroadcastBasement.com. I'd be really good sabermetrically because wow. I don't look like I'm good. I, I'm the smallest guy on my team, and I'm, I'm my 16-inch softball team. Look at this. <laughs> they got, they got, they got an infusion of youth. This we don't, year. we don't need stats when I'm we a, have Jesus. I'm a 41-year-old, you know, out of shape, father of three on a team with a bunch of guys that were either former athletes that are my age, so they've taken better care of themselves, or younger players that are filled on the team. I, I, it was so like they blew our first game of the year. We blew out the other team so quickly that by the third inning, they're like, Hey, Lenuti, you want to go sit in the, you want to go play third base? Like you want to go, you want to <laughs> like, it was like, cause they just want to sit in, on the bench and drink. The good players were like, okay, we won. And then they say on the bench and I got to go out and play, play softball for three, four innings. That's pretty much how my team is. I love it. We're going to win. And if I make a mistake, nobody cares. Like, like I actually dropped a fly ball. That was my error. I dropped a fly ball at second base because I misjudged it and thought I was going in the right and it died. So now all of a sudden I'm like, crap, and I'm backpedaling, which is the one thing I always tell my kids when I coach them, like, don't backpedal. And here I am backpedaling like a moron. And I'm not graceful enough to do this. So as I'm backpedaling, I hear the footsteps of the right fielder coming in. I, I hear the footsteps. I think I'm going to have a collision. I, I take my mind off the ball. It hits my hand. I fall on my ass. The other guy slides underneath me. It's a complete mess. Okay, the bases were loaded at the time, and the umpire is yelling infield fly. And that's the only <laughs> thing that saved me. And it's so funny because I'm totally in the grass. Like, no way this should be an infield fly. This is a terrible call by the umpire. I gave him a beer out of my cooler. <laughs> he, 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 he did that to help you out, man. I gave him a beer out of my cooler. He's yelling He, I guess I asked somebody. He was yelling infield fly while I was still backing up for the ball. Oh, okay. So he didn't yell it while he was yelling it while he came out immediately and yelled infield fly. But I, I'm, I'm in the zone. He's like, he's like, back for the he's ball. like, man, Lanuti's backpedaling. Oh, he he's not going to catch this. I'm just going to call infield fly now. In, yeah. I've been playing in this league for four years. And I sure I had this wide eye look like, oh, crap, I'm not going to get to this ball. And he was like, infield fly, infield fly. It's so like backpedaling back. He's probably trying to stop the collision that's about to happen. But nobody was listening to him because nobody believed it was an infield fly. I didn't think it was an infield fly, and I'm the guy who dropped it. The guy running in didn't think it was an infield fly, but he saved me. He got it. He got a. He got a. He got a Miller Lite out of the deal. I was like, "Good call, up." <laughs> Thank God it was already a blowout. The other team didn't care. So you're not doing a Tim Anderson where you're like mfing the umpire because he no, give you because a- I uh, yeah, that's the thing. Wait, we have wait, 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 stop. We have a Tim Anderson. We need we have a Tim Anderson intervention going. I can't bring him up. <laughs> Sorry. And you almost got me going on him again. I uh, know. We're going we're gonna to squash you can't, that. You can't, you can't hit that button, man. Once you hit it, it's down and I just we start do. going. We have a Tim Anderson button right here on the bar. <laughs> Tim all, I have to do is, all I have to do is hit it and Chris goes off. Like okay, a, how about this, though? I'll give you some positives here. Tim Anderson is not far out of the top five. He has one person in between him 
and the five guys that we listed with the top OPSs on the team okay. in terms of producing runs, you know, producing big hits, getting on base. These are this that's the big sabermetric stat that I love to look at. He, and and in terms of OPS plus, they're all ranked in the same way as their OPS. Okay, if you're a big sabermetrician. So there's one guy in between Anderson and the five guys that we listed that has had enough at bats to be like a qualifying hitter. Okay. And it's interesting because going back to our original conversation now at the beginning of this podcast, now I get something. That's your hint. I get it. Okay. The guy who's sitting in front of Tim Anderson on that list. There's one more guy. I'm I I drawn a blank. Larry Garcia. Okay. Larry Garcia, the guy who I sat there and said, this shows me that Renteria was trying to win the game on Sunday. He put the guy who statistically is a better hitter in front of Anderson in oh, the lineup okay, six, okay, okay. and Anderson went seven. Now it makes total sense to me. And that, again, points to the fact that I think Renteria was trying to win the game. He was trying. He wanted to win that game. He wanted to win that series. He wanted to win that game. The Royals sent out a guy on three days rest who had a 5.9-something earned run average going into the game. It's higher now. And he's on a three days rest. I mean, if we didn't score right away in the first inning, I was going to be pissed off. When when Pelka hit the two run home run, I was like, thank God, because there were two outs already. And I don't understand how we're I don't understand how we're not getting runs on this guy. Socks in the basement. I'm going to go 108, whatever that means. 108ers, <laughs> find us. Look at this guy. Look, Dave's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I got to get back on Twitter. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the dude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? <laughs> I felt like it. <laughs> I did the broadcast basement with Chris for 10 years and nobody gave me a show or a microphone even.